Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less tax. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of WealthAbility. So there's a lot of discussion in the world today about disrupting, about making bold moves. We're going to learn today how to make bold moves without taking all the risk of like throwing everything at it and actually doing it the smart way. And we have the expert on the bold move. Uh, our guest is Frank O'Connell. Um, Frank has an amazing background. I'll let him share that with you. But thanks for joining us today, Frank. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for inviting me. So if you would, just give us a little of your background because you've got an amazing one. <laughs> well, you know, I've moved 20 times uh, across the country and back again, running and turning around uh, countries. Uh, but I've, been, I've had a lot of fun and I've been fortunate. You know, I've been involved with, you know, big brands like, you know, Reebok and Skybox and Mattel and Gibson and Indian Motorcycle and all these different industries. But, you know, Tom, they only called me in when there's a problem. Nobody called me up and said, oh, God, we got a company that's really running well and growing like mad. Would you come in and step in as CEO? So, no, I always come in when it's really important to take risks and be bold to get these companies turned around. Got it. So, so you have a little different view of a bold move and what, what a bold move means. Can you kind of define how you see a bold move as, as opposed to like feeling like you have to completely disrupt an industry? Yeah. Yeah. For me, a bold move is first, it's not something that's marginally going to move the needle. It's something that's got the potential to really change the company and maybe in some cases change the industry. Um, and a lot of the situations I've been in, I really needed bold move to to really get the companies into a very profitable uh, position. So, you know, and I always look at it, if uh, it was easy and you took very little risk, the incumbents would have already done it. <laughs> so when I come in, it's doing things other people only thought about doing, but were never willing to take the risk to do. So, so how do you go about that? How do you, how, first of all, how do you discover what bold move you need to make? Because it's not going to be the same in every country, in, in every company at, at, at every time. Yeah. So how, how, do you, how do you start? How do you even decide what bold move do I need to make? Yeah. Well, you know, normally everything with me and how people ask me, how were you able to move from industry to industry, industry? all revolves around the consumer and insights into the consumer because that's the mindset I really have got to be able to change. So, for example, let's take Reebok. When we invented the pump, we, suddenly we had a phenomenal new piece of technology. But again, we were up against, you know, uh, Nike and um, we we had to come up with some kind of advertising campaign that was as bold as the product. 
So that's where I worked with the agency and came up with the bungee jumping commercial, you know, which is the two jumpers go off to the bridge, one wearing Nikes, one wearing Reebok, and only the guy with the Reeboks comes back. And oh my God, everybody said, every mother in the country, Frank, is going to call you about this. And I said, great. You know, one of the three, um, you know, a big networks refused to run it. That was an incredible breakthrough because everybody, wow. we got millions and millions of free advertising. So that's one. Now, the second one was, and I'll talk about mitigating risk, is you know, in the trading card business, we had this company called Skybox, and it was a turnaround. It had lost $80 million. We had licenses, oh. NBA, NFL, and whatever. So um, on the NFL license, um, I happened to be in David Stern's office, the commissioner of the NBA, and he said, Frank, go to your television. And that's when Magic Johnson announced he was HIV positive. I, I did a piece of research both with mothers and um, with children. And he, at that point, was seen as a hero. So I signed him on. And I could have never afforded him. But I signed him on. And he did a phenomenal commercial with his son. He did trading card sets, the dream team. It spun the company totally around. But that was, you know, unquestionably, um, you know, quite a risk. So... That, that was definitely a bold move. So you, you talk about um, using data and looking at the customer. So uh, what, what kind of data are you looking for? How do you go about um, gathering that data? And how do you go about finding what will the customer respond to? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting. And I do it the reverse. Every time I take a company, take over a company, I go to the bottom. I go first to the point at which the consumer is buying the product. So I spend tons of time in retail stores, talking to consumers and customers who are really handling the product. And you get a kick out of this, but in the food business, of course, we would go to cocktail parties and I would ask the hostess, would you mind it? Could I look in your cupboard, you know, <laughs> to see what brands you were buying, you know, etc. So I do a very basic and then I use all of the products and the competitive products and I force my management teams to do it. Then I start in more sophisticated research doing, you know, and I get right on the cutting edge segmentation studies that break the markets down, all sorts of motivational um, work. I get deep into the research of understanding what is the position in the consumer's mind my product is fulfilling? What is the benefit? Mm. And then I springboard off of that into a whole new process of product development. Interesting. So, um, wow, how to unpack all this. So um, when you're looking at um, I, let's say you were looking at business. Now you, you tend to go into businesses that are, have had big failures and you're turning them around. If you were a business that was not in failure, but maybe you were in an industry that was in danger of failure. I, I'll give you an example. My industry is a perfect example, uh, the CPA industry, where uh, I think the CPA industry is in huge danger. Um, they're in danger for technology reasons. They're in danger for um, no, a lack of new blood coming in. What would you what would you tell a a company that was not unsuccessful, but what kind of bold moves they would need to make to become extraordinarily successful? Um, and I definitely use a process. 
I am huge on strategic planning. So normally what I do is I bring in a consulting firm because most companies don't have that capability to do the analytics and study mm -hmm. industries. And so I bring them in and the first thing we do is look at our industry, whether it's a service industry or a product, and they have a parrot apart. You know, who are all the competition? What's the customer? What are the trends? And a lot of what I spend time on is exactly what you're talking about. It's just not what's happening now. What do I anticipate is going to happen in the future? And particularly because technology is such a big factor. So then we kind of map out where we are, my company is, and where the industry is heading. And then I go into a very creative process. Um, which is uh, creating alternative strategies. And, and you can, I always say, you can never end up with a better output than the creative strategy you created on the front end. So we create alternative strategies and then we evaluate those strategies, try to pick the best strategies, and then we put an executional plan behind it and track it. And if we make mistakes, which you're going to do, I use what I call a quick air correct these days. You know, the technology comes in, it's going to kill you. We got to move. So it, so I use really, I use a process, but in the end, creativity is a big part of it and an innovation. Hey, if you like financial education the way I do, you're going to love Buck Joffrey's podcast. Buck's a friend of mine. He's a client of mine. He's a former board certified surgeon and he's turned into a real estate professional. So he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals. That's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime. Got it. Now, you said something there that I, I thought was really interesting in making those those minor adjustments because you're talking about a bold move, but you know, when we we look at say good to great, where we talk about rifle shots, right? Are you are are you talking about are, are you sending out a cannonball or are you taking those rifle shots, adjusting before you send out the cannonball? No, we yeah, we will it, it, you know what depends? It depends on how much time I've got. So know. in some of these cases. If they are, I see they're going to run out of cash, you know, in the next year or so, I got a short runway. I got to take my best shot, big bull shot to begin with. If not, if I've got, you know, runway and time, I'll take the single rifle shots and we'll guide it along. Then we'll see we got a clear path. We've done enough pre-testing. We know that our concept is probably going to work. Then I'll pour the juice, then I'll pour the capital to it. Got it. So, so it, it does sound like you're able to, um, when you have enough runway, you can, you can mitigate the risk by, by first of all, developing the strategy, then, you know, you're, you're making the adjustments a little bit of time until you see that, yes, this is going to work. And then you take the big plunge. Correct. And, and as you, in this environment now, you, we used to do, you know, I run big companies and I'd go in and they'd have a five-year plan you know, and a strategy. And we'd review it once a year, you know? God, now you've got to review your strategy once every three months and be willing to make 
much more radical changes than you ever dreamed of in short spans of time. And then does it work? Does it not work? Move again. So this is uh this involves a lot of risk. So how do you, how do you get, I mean, I realize you're going in, they're going like, we have nothing to lose here. And that may be the case, but what about when they do have something to lose and they're going, I'm not sure I want to take that risk. How do you, how do you convince? Cause you're coming in doing something they only thought of doing, right? You're doing something that they've, Mm, yeah, we're just not ready to take that leap. How do you get a company to take that leap? Yeah, good point. And it you know makes a big difference whether it's a public company or a private company, as you know. And it's easier in a private company because I've got fewer sure. people to convince, you know, and I can move more swiftly. You know, in a public company, it's quite different. So one of the most critical parts is the board. So I really have got to educate and convince the board and bring the board along the whole thought process with me and have them convince that we really need to we really need to take this risk. But I also use um, strongly very well-known outside consulting firms because, mm-hmm. you know, they do incredible in-depth work they've got credibility they can do studies and also help us put together um risk mitigation that quite frankly we wouldn't think of in the company so they're so your board strong outside consulting firm and whatever are really important to help convincing the company to do it. And then we have to put the public story together. So I have to be very good as a CEO, you know, when I go and tell, or I'm on Bloomberg or whatever, I got to be very convincing to thousands or millions of investors. Yeah. So that's, uh, that, that is, (laughs) that is really interesting. Um, So, so part of what you're talking about, I hear, is really getting the numbers right. And 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 part of it, I, I, I love that you're bringing outside consulting firms because I'm going, okay, you don't have to know how to do it yourself. You just have to say, this is what we need to do. And now we can have help uh, yeah. getting that together. But we they also can help getting the numbers together. Yeah. And incidentally, we use very strong financial analysts, you know, um, uh, you know, all sorts of firm tax experts. I mean, we bring them all in because a lot of that stuff you don't think of as a CEO or your team has no exposure with is extremely important. And particularly, as you know, the big changes in the laws and everything else. So, yeah, I really, you know, I'm a strong, I'm just a strong believer in bringing in the experts. I I love that. Um, so how do you, okay, so you're going to, you, you, you decide as a business leader, as a CEO, smaller company, say not a public company, uh, I, I want to make some bold moves because I want to make some big strides. I don't, I don't want to just kind of limp along here. And I'm a little concerned about what the economy's doing. I'm a little concerned about interest rates. I'm a little concerned about, you know, what customers are going to do once they run out of um, uh, pandemic funds. And so, you know, how do you actually build that strategy and, and put that together so that you can then take that bold move? Uh, now you're talking much more about a smaller company. Yep. Smaller company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's where you, when I come in with my experience and I'm often at, 
they often bring me in to help. So, you know, I try to use a lot of my experience um, to help guide them. But the other thing I always look for is, is there a best practices case someplace in this industry? Somebody's probably done it right. Can, what can we learn from them so that we can kind of prove that our concept and this risk we're about to take has got a pretty decent probability of, you know, being successful. Uh, I like that. So, all right. So now you've gone along, but sometimes you come into a no-win situation. Sometimes you go, you know what? It's not going to work. How, how do you, how do you deal with that? All right. I'll, well, I'll, I'll tell you, and I describe it, you know, in my book, uh, you know, Jump First, Think Fast, um, I describe probably one of the best is Gibson greeting cards. So Gibson was a smaller player, probably about a 10% share of the greeting card business between Hallmark and American Greetings. And so, I, you know, I went into, you know, basically grow the company. And we did all sorts of radical, innovative um, things. I cut our costs by outsourcing, laying off 500 print people and outsourcing all of the printing to whole new high-speed technology. I outsourced all of the creative development of the art in the verse. They had 100 people inside the company doing this who had gotten old and, you know, didn't understand, oh, you know, they're 50% divorce rate, four grandparents, you know, and different humor, you know. So I outsourced that and, you know, and really increased our creative stuff. We built new brands because our brand wasn't going to be right for young people, you know. So we made a whole bunch of moves. It got great support from, you know, getting the product at retail. But what was what was happening was American Greetings um, and Hallmark were at, you have contracts for the space in stores and you pay upfront hundred stores would be into the millions for the right for that shelf space solely for your brand over a period of time. They were just outbidding me. I mean, they were buying my shelves, but regardless of the performance of the product and the consumer, they were just, and they were just squeezing me, squeezing. Me. I said, uh Oh, went to my board, did the analysis and said, look, this is going to continue on, you know, and, and we've tried everything. I can't find a solution. This has turned into a banking business, not a consumer product business. I said, we need to get this company sold. And so, you know, I went and eventually was able to sell it to the, I, and I even tried, I bought an electronic greeting card company way early on. But um, I just went to the board and said, look, Let's sell this company before we lose more value for the shareholders. And we did. We sold it to American Greetings. Wow. So you that... do get there. I I am a believer. If you get into a situation, you know you weren't going to win, better move. <laughs> yeah. Don't 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 be a Kodak and let the whole thing fall apart on you, huh? Yes. I like it. So if if you could give um a um privately owned company uh three Three steps or three words of advice, what would they be? Uh, and this is what I frequently find. One, get a strategic plan. Put together a strategic plan where you're, you're backers and you've got everybody aligned and you've got a very clean path forward. 
then you want to really translate that into metrics and accountability in terms of your organization. The second one is there is absolutely no substitute for talent, <laughs> particularly in a small company. And, and I've done my own startups, you know, where I have made mistakes and you can't, you in a small organization, you've got to have the right people and you've got to be willing to make tough decisions to make sure and get them, you know, and get them in place. So, um, you know, and the third one was you're always raising capital. So you uh, always got to be working on, have I got enough, <laughs> have I got enough juice, you know, so. Good point. Um, you know, we, we do find, of course, as accountants, we see the business failures, a lot. And we find that, you know, more, more businesses fail for lack of capital than anything else. So. Yeah. I, you know, the other thing I'll tell you, and I address it a lot and uh, jump first, think fast. You know, I watch all, everybody does startup um, studies on failures in startups, but I remember, you know, and Harvard does, you know, a lot of great studies, but when I remember from years back, Harvard did a study and they said, one of the principal reasons that you know, entrepreneurs fail is for lack of a plan because they probably have never been through that process. Yeah. God, I, I, I love it. So the book is jump first, think fast. I love that. Um, and if we want more information about what you're doing, what, where, where would we go, Frank? Oh yeah. Well, you go to our website, jumpfirstthinkfast.com. There's a lot on my LinkedIn page, all sorts of articles and we're awesome publishing all sorts of leadership things and, you know, views on current subjects. So. Awesome. So thank you so much, Frank, uh, Frank O'Connell, jump first, think fast. And uh, just remember when, you know, when we strategically make a bold move, I, I like that combination. It's a strategic move. Um, we think of bold moves as sometimes erratic moves, but, but what I'm, what I keep hearing is it's strategic. So we get that strategic plan together. We get the talent together. We make sure we got the metrics. And um, of course, we're always, always making sure that the capital is continuing to come in to flow in so that we can actually fulfill that strategic plan. When we do those bold moves, we're always going to make way more money and pay way less tax. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.